0: Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash loss That's plushcare.com slash loss plushcare.com slash loss Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, And welcome to the gonna Talk back again with you guys for another episode of our Raw Reaction series. Joining you the morning after Arsenal's 2-2 draw with Sporting Club de Portugal uh, in the Europa League last night. It was not the result that I think most Arsenal fans were uh, expecting nor wanting. However, it's the result that we got and we're going to talk about that and plenty more in today's show as well. The reason why I'm out of breath is uh, I <laughs> I was downstairs doing a little bit of washing up in the morning, looked at the time, and it was 8.01, and I was like, oh, no. So I sprinted up the stairs. I've like, got to get, gotta get there in time, otherwise I'm going to get called the late talk again this morning. But thankfully... It seems I might have got away with it. So I didn't even tell, I need to tell you that. That shows, if anything, my honesty. So I think you should appreciate that more than anything else. Uh, good morning to people joining us in the chat box. Hope you're doing good and well. Carl, Marcus, uh, Olu, Red Star, Paul, good morning to you, Rancid, Aiden, Adam, uh, Johnny, Rich, Martin, good morning, Matt G, Stevie, uh, happy Friday indeed, uh, Gary, Afsar, Machiavelli, Temi, uh, Ponaru, uh, Machiavelli as well. I think I've said Machiavelli twice now. He's got on. Two shout-outs in one morning. I think you should start charging. I should start charging for that, really. I really should. Speaking of which, I'll talk a little bit about a special announcements on the channel at the start of part two. But without further ado, let's go on to talk about yesterday's game. Back down to earth with the sporting draw is the way I've kind of uh, defined this. Um, I do think that uh, any kind of really negative reaction um, is probably a bit over the top. I thought that Sporting played really well. I'm just going to put that out there to start and and just say at the start of the show, because I don't think, you know, when we talk about Arsenal's disappointing results, I don't think sometimes we get enough credit to the opposition. And I think that Sporting were really good. Uh, I really enjoyed their their attacking play, how good they were on the counter. Marcus Edwards, Pedro Goncalves, Paulinho as a front three, Uh, even though, to be fair, Goncalves were playing more in the midfield. But I thought they were really good uh, and I thought they were a threat and they could have scored more in this game. Palinio, in particular missing a massive, massive opportunity in the second half to make it 3-1. But yeah, I was really impressed by Sporting. um, And I think, I don't want to say that people have been underestimating them because I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think we've appreciated the quality players that they have. But I do think that maybe we maybe we just kind of overlooked the challenge a little bit um i know how much quality they've got i think we were focused so much on how what we would be doing and the rotation we would make and about the fact that if we make loads of rotation that we'd still be as good as we usually are but uh yeah i i thought this is going to be i thought this was going to be a a relatively uh I do not say comfortable win because I think that would be underestimating sporting. But I do I did this was the game I wanted. This was the team that I wanted to face. So I guess maybe I underestimated them a bit. <laughs> it's the full circle that I've just gone round in. Um, maybe I did underestimate them a little bit, but they are a very decent side, and I think they did very well last night. So there you go. Anyway, let's go on to some of the specifics uh from the game. I thought William Saliba is back to his best. I thought that was one of his best performances last night. The the goals we conceded, I'm certainly not pointing the finger at him. His tackling, his goal that he scored, um, his recovery pace, his composure in those tight spaces defensively. I thought he was the shining kind of light in what was a relatively disappointing defensive performance. And there's a lot of question marks that we're going to point at the defence. But I thought William Saliba stood out by himself um, and the words, he can't do this on his own, probably come to mind. Um, Saliba was absolutely fantastic. Ben White looked shattered by the end of the game. This is why I'm saying like, I really want to see us go out and sign a new right back in, in the summer that kind of gives us a different style uh, to what Ben White, not because I think Ben White's not been good enough. It's just, because I think we need some more variation in the options that we have at right back. I see Tommy Asu Moore as a left back and I'll come on to him in a little bit. Um, but I thought that Kivior, if we're going to have a little brief chat about Kivior, you know, as debuts go, it, it wasn't the best debut in the world. And I thought I saw an interview, I think it was an AFTV, actually, a, a guy on there saying that, look, I've seen plenty of Arsenal defenders have brilliant debuts and go on to to not have great careers at Arsenal. Um, so, don't judge Kivior after one game, I think it's fair to say. I was actually quite happy with him in the first few minutes. There was a moment where he came under a bit of pressure, was composed, took the ball out of the defence, played a couple of good passes. But the longer the game went on, I think he just lacked confidence. And for a player that signed in January and is not getting his debut till a third of the way through March, maybe there's something to be said um, about that. I thought he played like a player that didn't want to put a foot wrong. And when you play a little bit like that, it can lead to mistakes and it can lead to, um, I think there's a moment in the first half, uh, in the first half with the corner, that Ignacio scores. Um, and, and to talk about Matt Turner as well in this kind of talk about the defence. A lot of the people that said, don't blame Kivior for the corner. Matt Turner calls for it. He should get it. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I think that's fair. as a fair comment. You know, Matt Turner, if he calls for something, he has to get it. But there's also part of me that thinks, if that was Gabriel or if that was Saliba in that moment and they heard a call and they were confident that they could head the ball clear, would they take matters into their own hands because of their own self-belief and confidence? I don't know if that's too much of a, a stretch or I don't know if that's too harsh on Kivior. But and, and it's not to say that he's not good enough. It's just to say that I feel as though if that's Kivior after a year... I think that Kivior maybe has the confidence to just say, no, sorry, Matt, I'm going to take this head of myself because I'm going to bat myself to to clear the ball and not rely on somebody else. I know that sometimes, a lot of the time, you should listen to your teammates, especially if they call. But I think if Gabriel or was in that moment, I think they might go for it themselves um, rather than here to the call. But to be honest, for me, Kivior, in terms of debuts go, it wasn't horrendous. It wasn't really bad. It didn't make me think any less of him because I've seen what he's capable of doing. I've seen what he's capable of achieving in Serie A with Spezzi. I saw his under-21s game where he looked really good with his distribution. So certainly, we're not writing uh, a Kivior off by any shape or form. Just a bit of a tentative, uh, lacking in confidence debut, I think, from him. Continue with the defence. I think we have found a little bit of Zinchenko's kryptonite. Now, what I want to do is I want to caveat this brief uh, Zinchenko section by saying I love what he does with the ball. I love the way in which he kind of takes players on and he fools them into thinking he's going to go one way and then he bursts into a little bit of space in the midfield, finds those little reverse passes through to the box. What he does for Arsenal in terms of their build-up and in terms of their creativity is spectacularly good. And he makes me make noises that no one should hear me make a noise when I see him pass. But you just watch some of those and you're like, oh, oh, that is, oh, that is special. <laughs> he just ma- He's one of those players that makes you get off your seat when you watch him play. But defensively, I thought that this was the game where we really saw that right space for the opposition. Our left back space was quite exposed and... I thought Zinchenko's kryptonite was kind of found out. And I don't want to describe him as a liability. And Charlie, I think you're wrong to describe him as a liability. Because if you actually look at Arsenal's defensive record with Zinchenko in the team, it's actually pretty darn decent. Um, And I think that to, to describe him as a defensive liability would be incorrect because the stats show that that certainly isn't the case. But when it comes to certain games against certain opposition that just have this ability to kind of chip the ball in behind or play the long ball over the top or to turn over possession uh, quickly and and counter. That is where we are going to be exposed. That is where we are going to have to deal with um, the drawbacks of having a stylistic player like Zinchenko in the team. And I think that with Tomiyasu, um, I think Tomiyasu coming on really uh, solidifies that back four. And I thought that his presence in the left-back position enabled us to gain control of the game once again. And I think that he, Tommy really did make up for that display he showed, which was really poor at right-back against Bournemouth. He was really poor against Bournemouth. But for me, I think that in terms of Tommy Asu coming in next Thursday, I would start Tommy Asu at left-back. I'd like to keep Zinchenko in the team, and that's why I'd move Zinchenko into midfield, because I just think he's so important are so key to what we do and how we build up play that I don't want to drop Zinchenko at all. And I still would start Zinchenko at left-back against Fulham. And I think that Gabriel being back in the side is also going to really help with things. And I agree with Ben in the chat. Absolutely. This is why Gabby is so key, playing that left-back role. I think he covers so much of that area that Zinchenko um, leaves absent when he moves forward. But I think that Tomiasu brought in that level of kind of foundation that we could then build from and that's why in the last kind of 15 minutes of the game we were able to kind of take back control and it was a case of only one team is going to win this from here if they score and that's going to be Arsenal and that's how it felt in the last 15 minutes unfortunately we weren't able to create the clear-cut chance that we needed but I just felt next week, I think, considering what's at stake and it's in the knockout competition, start Tomiyasu, make a decision between Zinchenko and Xhaka in midfield and go from there. I just think that's, that's the way in which I think we need to play ultimately for next Thursday's game. But Zinchenko stars are left back without a shadow of a doubt on Sunday because I'm looking forward to us being a dominant force in the Premier League again. Uh, I enjoyed Nelson's performance. A lot on that left-hand side, particularly in the first half. I think he faded a bit in the second half. Um, But I really enjoyed what he brought to the team on the left. He's just probably our most confident take on winger the way in which he takes players on he can burst past somebody loves to step over here and there loves to find the little passes inside can go left can go right he's unpredictable he's probably the most difficult of our wingers to read what he's going to do and that makes him dangerous but I thought yeah I thought he was bright I I was excited by watching him I liked what I saw and perhaps if we had our first team out there without the number of changes that we made and Nelson starts in that left wing spot which I expect him probably to be able to do against Fulham and Erdegaard, fingers crossed being back into the team as well. That's going to be a massive, massive plus for Reese Nelson, but I really enjoyed what he did in the game. And I thought he was direct. I thought he was, he didn't shy away from any kind of pressure. He took players on and wanted to make things happen. And that for me is, is the most important thing for Nelson. He needs to show confidence. He needs to show what he's capable of doing. And I thought he did that in this game. And uh, I would absolutely start him again on, on Sunday against Fulham. Um, I'm not expecting Trossard to be fit. The expectation is Trossard might be out for a couple of weeks, it seems. Um, and with Gabriel Jesus yet to come back, we don't have that many options. Smith Smithrow, I don't think, is ready at all. So it should be Nelson, Saka, Martinelli, Odegaard as the front four, with uh, Xhaka, Aparte, Zinchenko, Gabriel, Saliba, White and Ramsdale back in as the team. And of course, we'll bring you a preview Tomorrow, I should be having a preview tomorrow for the Fulham game. So uh, that's the plan. Unless I somehow manage to squeeze it in this evening, but I'm not sure I'm going to be able to do that because I'm out. But uh, yes, tomorrow we should have a preview show for you. But Nelson really, really did like his performance. Now, we need to have a chat about Fabio Vieira because I'm quite frankly getting a bit sick and tired of this stigma and this stigmatism that is getting attached to Fabio Vieira. Fabio Vieira at the moment has come to the Premier League and he there's an argument going around that he needs and I put emphasis on the word needs to bulk up. And I think this is just a little bit I think lazy is too harsh of a criticism on on the terminology because I don't think it's lazy. I just think it's getting to the point where whenever we have a whenever we see Vieira on the field it's like he needs to bulk up. He needs to put on some muscle. And I just think that it's not, it's not fair to continue adding this attachment to Vieira. That's not who Vieira is. And to be honest, I think you could stick the guy in the gym for a year. And I don't think necessarily you're going to see him come out you know vastly different. And maybe even if he put on loads of muscle, it would change his game. So I just want to get that bit out of the way first. Vieira was good yesterday. Vieira was good yesterday. He was demanding of the ball. He was creative. He was direct. He put in a perfect corner for William Saliba to score the opening goal. He's not Martin Odegaard. He's younger than him. He's not been playing at the same level as him for a significant period of time. Odegaard is further along his development than Vieira. And I think Odegaard is, is frankly a bit of a freak of nature in terms of some of the things that he can do. But Vieira is a good player and provides us some really good depth to that attacking midfield position. That price tag of thirty-four million pounds, of course, is going to get attached to him as well. And people are going to start expecting performances of a 34 million pound player. But look, I, I, I get frustrated when we start attaching price tags in this kind of region to players and, and assess them based on that. You know, Kivior cost us twenty million quid, and we're only talking about a player that costs us 14 million quid more than that. And I don't think we can attach the price tag so critically to the player. And the lightweight thing really gets on my nerves really, really does get on my nerves because it's this kind of easy... When when we finish watching Vieira, you just see it all over your social media that, oh, he's too lightweight, he needs to get in the gym, he needs to bulk up. I, I don't agree with it. I think it's a really kind of... Um, It's just too easy to to tag that onto the end of every single Vieira performance without actually looking at what he does. He doesn't need to improve his bulk. What he needs to improve is his quickness of his decision-making, the quality of his decision-making, and sometimes the delivery and the final pass and the final shot. That's what needs to improve. And if that shot that he had from outside the box went agonizingly close to Adan's left post, Nestle's in the bottom corner, we would not be talking about his weight or how much muscle this guy has got. We've been talking about the fact that he'd made a a really good contribution, which he did anyway with the corner and with the number of chances he created in the game as well. And it just frustrates me that sometimes I think we're so quick to just jump on the bandwagon of, oh, someone said he needs to bulk up. So I'm going to think that and I'm going to think that he needs to bulk up. When in reality, it's really not that much of a priority for him as a player. His priorities are in so many other areas of his game in terms of his final ball, in terms of being a bit more confident, in terms of being a bit more direct with what he needs to do and his quickness of his decision-making. These are the things that he genuinely needs to work on. But as soon as we see like a performance from him, it's like, no, it needs, to, it needs to bulk up, needs to get in the gym. And I just think that's... I think it's a bit ignorant of what actually needs to be improved in his game. And we're just kind of jumping on the bandwagon of what a couple of people have said on social media. Um, and I think actually whilst... Uh, Let's go for Seb, who says he was targeted by Lisbon. I actually think that he rode a lot of what sporting did to him really well. And yes, he went down a couple of times. There was one instance in the box where he went down as well. I get that. And that's fine. He's still transitioning to playing for an English team and coming from the continent where you're a lot more of the kind of the falling over antics do take place, if we're being very honest, he's going to have to adapt to that. And he's not had enough regular game time to be able to do that. He's got to start every, what, five, six, seven, eight games this season? I don't know how many even know appearances he's managed to get in terms of his starts this season. But he's not been playing enough for a player when you consider the fact that he's coming from a brand new league. It's not like Martin Odegaard that came in and started starting every game. It's not like Gabriel or Saliba or... Uh, Thomas Partey or, you know, loads of players that we've signed from abroad that have been able to come in and just play every single game, even though they've cost a lot of money. He's cost a lot of money and he's not being able to do that because we've got a really good attacking lineup at the moment that he can't break into. In terms of Premier League starts, he started against Brentford, and he started against uh, Bournemouth the other day and, of course, came on quite early in the game against Wolves. In which, by the way, when he started against Brentford, he was great. And when he started against Wolves, he, uh, sorry, when he started against, um, or when he came on against Bo- uh, Wolves, he was great. So I don't really, I don't really get, I don't really get it. And Louis says 12 starts, eight goals and assists. I mean it's yeah it's it's a very, very solid return uh, from him this season. I'm very happy of what we've been able to get from him this season as well um so yeah i i I think I've maybe gone on a bit too long on the Vieira thing, but yesterday, really bugged me with just like the I just thought it was a bit ignorant of the, of what else there is to his game, and it's just really easy to kind of throw out the lightweight tagline associated with him uh to start rounding off this part one before we go into to part two and and your questions uh michael arteta said that he felt that the rotation in the team was one of the big reasons that we had some issues but the thing is that you need you need to rotate in this game i don't agree with those that feel we should have gone even stronger than this because fulham is is literally two days away now a really, really, one of the hardest away games we're going to have besides Anfield, St. James's Park and the Etihad. It's probably the fourth hardest away game that we've got between now and the end of the season. And we need to rotate. We need to give players rest. And we have got no bloody strikers available to us at the moment. So it's not like we can even afford to to rotate too heavily in the forward line either. So we have to rotate elsewhere. We had to give Kivior a chance. We have to give Vieira the opportunity to play. Um, I would have started Tommy Asu at left back personally, and I said that in the preview show um uh, Jorginho giving him the opportunity to come in and Partey giving him a bit of a rest before the weekend as well it's really important so i'm not in, i'm not surprised entirely that you know that we saw a little bit of a a drop off from the expectation of what we usually Um, perform at to be honest or we didn't see what we saw in the second half against Everton or something like that and sporting as well I thought were very good on the counter and offered a lot of quality and when we play them on Thursday I think the game after that is a home game against Crystal Palace I think then then we've got the opportunity to play a little bit of a stronger team next Thursday I think next Thursday at home, under the lights, then we've got a home game against Palace to follow that. I think that's the opportunity we've got to go a bit stronger. But in this game, when you're flying abroad and then you're coming back and playing an away game against Fulham on Sunday, it made complete sense to rotate as many as we did. And I'm fine with that. Because hopefully, Odegaard will be back. Hopefully, who knows? we going Gabriel Jesus will be involved. Kieran Tierney was ill as well, which didn't really help things either. It's only a minor thing with him. It was precautionary why he wasn't included in the squad. Same with Erdegaard. So there's a little bit of a bug going around because Fabio Vieira was supposed to do media duties on Wednesday and he couldn't because he had a sore throat. And I mean, that I didn't even bring that up about Vieira. You know, people saying he weren't great. He was ill the day before the game. So, you know, to, to come out and play like he did again, I thought was good. Erdegaard's just ill. David's, don't worry about him. He's hopefully, hopefully, We'll be back on Sunday. We'll have to wait and see if indeed he has recovered. Um, but he did travel. Um, he just they didn't didn't feel like it was worth uh I mean if you play when you're ill, the impact that can have on your body is not great. So it was probably the best idea not to start or not to risk uh Erdegaard. Uh in terms of Eddie and Kettia, we're still waiting for more information on him. Arteta never wants to rule out a long-term absence, but it seemed to be an injury to his ankle that they're still waiting to get further clarification on. Uh, He didn't train on Wednesday. Trossard didn't train on Wednesday. And there's no expectation that either of them will be available at the weekend. I hope I'm wrong and I'm hoping that they come back. But there isn't an expectation from my perspective that they are indeed going to be back for then. Uh now before we go uh into part two, I need to tell you, of course, about uh our Europa League rivals and their results over the course of yesterday's games. Union Berlin and Union Saint Gillois uh played at a fantastic game uh in Germany, three three on the night. Uh the Belgian side will be confident of trying to get a win. Uh, in Belgium next week that's going to be one to keep an eye on because Union Berlin have had a fantastic season in the Bundesliga and really been competing at the top of the table so they're ones to watch Nifune and if Union saint gillois who they both played against one another in the group stage and the Belgian side did really well as well so yeah let's wait and see what happens there uh, Leverkusen against ferencvaros uh two nil winners you'd expect them to progress now though. You know, they did lose their home game against Monaco in the last round and then smashed them away from home. So who knows what's going to happen. Uh, Jose Mourinho's Roma uh, did really well, I thought, to beat a a very good Real Sociedad side 2-0. Sevilla surprised me as well. Uh, I thought Fenerbahce might do quite well in this, but a 2-0 winner there. Let's see what happens in Turkey. And then Freiburg, uh, I think, had a goal ruled out in a 1-0 Juventus win. I think Freiburg will be relatively happy with that result. we will be looking to try and get a two-goal swing in Germany next week. Manchester United played a full-strength team against Real Betis at home and certainly got their uh, just desserts for that with a 4-1 victory uh, to really turn things around. I don't think they have much choice but to play a full-strength team. A, because Betis is a very good side and B, because they lost 7-0. I just going to say that again. They lost 7-0 against Liverpool and they needed a response. So I'm not surprised they played a full-strength team in response to that absolutely hilarious defeat Liverpool. And lastly, Shakhtar Donetsk and Feyenoord played out one of the funniest goals I've ever seen. Um, the centre-back Ratschitsky, uh, I think it was, uh, scoring with his backside. An amazing goal uh, from a corner. If you've not watched it, I definitely recommend going and finding it because it's worth just watching it. So there you go. Okay, let's go to part two. Uh, a quick channel announcement and your questions right after this. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Okay, uh, let's jump into the chat box in a second because there's a couple of things that I need to talk about with you before I do that. Uh, first of all, uh, I'm very, very happy uh, to say that the Guna Palooza tickets uh, for the Chicago event go on sale today. Uh, make sure you go head over to the Chicago Gooners website to get all the information regarding when and where you can get hold of them. There is, as far as I'm aware, about 180 available, 40 of those, 20, 40 of those are VIP. So make sure uh, if you want to get there like front row seat sort of thing. Um, so make sure if you want to get involved, you get them quick because I'm expecting with us, Arsenal Vision, Highbury Squad, Gunas Pod, all promoting them. I reckon they're going to go relatively fast. So if you are coming to the get uh, to the event across three days, it's not just it's 21st of April through to the 23rd. Of April, and there's different events on. But if you want to buy a ticket for the podcast, um, I'd love to see you and meet plenty of you and the listeners of the channel as well. It's always going to be an absolute pleasure to to meet some of our uh, our listeners. And uh, then make sure you do as Matt says, eight and a half hours speaking at half eight UK time this morning, uh, which means that they would go on sale. Um, well, if it's eight and a half hours, what would that be? So that's nine o'clock, eight hours from nine, five, five p.m. UK time. Um, 11 is that 11? A.M. C.S.T., I think. So that's, uh, that's I think, what is it's going to be. So 11 a.m. C.S.T., and I think then it's 5 p.m. UK time uh, if you're coming over from the UK. But, I mean, if you're not, it's, it's most likely going to be U.S. So 11 a.m. Chicago time is when those tickets will be going on sale over on the Chicago Gunners website. Second announcement that I need to talk to you about is this. Very exciting because initially... The TGT non-profit merch was only going to be UK only. And after a couple of chats and conversations with our distributor, I can tell you that we are going global straight away. So those that are not just in the UK, not just in the EU, but also those in the US and Canada, you can also get your hands on some TGT merch. Now, I can tell you about this. I'm very, very excited about this. Um, The home and away hats, the the red home hat, the gray away hat, which is designed to match uh, the colors of the home and the away, of course, with the gray stripes that you find on the away kit. Um, This is completely non-profit. I don't get Anything from this at all Uh, It is purely to help uh, different uh, charities and outlets. Our local um, manufacturer based uh, just in just north, north northwest of London is going to be uh, distributing uh, all of these around the world. They'll be making a small profit from these. Uh, And then any profits that would have gone um, to me are going half of it to the Arsenal Foundation, half of it to Cancer McMillan support. Um, The hats are 25 pounds. £15 pounds of that goes to the, I want to be absolutely clarity and, and open with you about how this works. The hats are £25. Pounds, £15 pounds of that uh, goes to pay for the materials, the labour, the embroidery and uh, obviously to help the local manufacturer. £5 pounds of each hat will go to Cancer McMillan for support and the other £5 pounds will be going to the Arsenal Foundation. We will be making those donations every quarter so I'll be able to give you an update on hopefully how much We've been making, um, but uh, you know, I, I imagine it's going to be quite quick at the start, and then it will kind of uh, level out a little bit later on. But if you would like to help some fantastic uh, community uh, causes and global causes as well, um, I'm hoping that you will all get involved with this. Uh, if you go to the link in today's video description, uh, you can get your hands on them. So, if I read out the link for those that uh, don't find it, if you go to https um, colon Slash slash, or just go to the Guna talk hyphen merch dot my dot com. Uh, you can get your hands on that. Uh, yes, I've been taking uh, <laughs> taking tips from from Elliot's uh, <laughs> adverts over there. So there you go. Uh, make sure you get involved. Link is down in the description. I've also added it to our link tree as well. So if you want to get hold of of these. Uh, that's where you can get them and you can support some great causes and uh, wear the TGT logo proudly on your head. Uh, So there you go. Uh, David, uh, when's the jumpers coming? I can tell you if this goes well, the the company that I've been working with to get this stuff made, they're very passionate and excited about um, opening up to to more things like t-shirts, jumpers um, and stuff like that. If this goes well, then maybe we'll see what we do. But uh, yes, do make sure that you get involved. You want the link in the chat box? Okay, yes, I can give you the link in the chat box. Let me just paste it in there for you. And uh, for those listening on audio and on catch up, you can find it in the link in the description. But there's your link uh, to go and get hold of these stocks. All last while they last. So don't miss out. Don't delay. uh, Get involved. OK, that's enough. That's half an hour of a show without me actually going to questions. That might be the longest I've ever gone without going to questions. So I'm sure a lot of you have been waiting uh, for to throw those in. So now let's go to your questions after I've had a, t- a little sip of my drink. I'm off work today, so I can go on a little bit longer this morning. Don't worry. Um, Yomi says, Tom, why do Arsenal fans feel the need to always scapegoat players? Either we win, lose or draw. One player is always dragged in the mud. What do we have to do to change this as a fan base? Um, It's a difficult question. It's one that I agree with and I've written about this on numerous occasions. There's been different points in time uh, where different players in this current team have obviously been... The victims are becoming a bit scapegoated at the start of the season, Gabriel Magalsh was certainly certainly that player and becoming uh, a bit of a scapegoat and I wrote a piece all about kind of breaking the myth that needed to be broke about Gabriel Magalsh and talking specifically about what he did brilliantly and I think we've seen him in the second half of this season really turn heads and really change opinions. I don't know why there is this desire to always find somebody to kind of point fingers to more than others. Vieira, I fear, is going to start becoming that player. And I hope that we can do our due diligence to to make that, that not the case, especially with this whole lightweight situation that he's got tagged onto him. But I I really hope that we can stop um the scapegoating and stop picking on individual players I get that some people like some players more than others I get that some people might not like a player but try to be objective in, in kind of breaking down Xhaka always faced that and obviously turn things around significantly uh, Nick says Tom will Kieran Tinney be here next season I doubt it Nick I think he's probably gone mate I think he's gone in the summer and I, I don't blame him you know he's not getting minutes at all this season uh, Tommy Asu's gone ahead of him into that second choice left back position for me. Uh, and that's fine. You know, I think that uh Tierney is kind of part of the the era before Arteta. He was a player that was signed outside of Arteta's tenure. Um and he can't he can't produce what Zinchenko does. And Arteta wants a player that Zinchenko plays like and whilst Tierney I think has tried and he's trying to be a bit more inverted it's just not it's just not happening, um, and I think that he will move on. And Arsenal need to try and get a good fee. If we can get thirty-five to forty million pounds for Tierney, I'd be very, very happy with that. I know that some people think that he, he's worth a lot more than that. I've gone into a lot of detail, while I think that thirty-five to forty million would be a good bit of business by Arsenal. You can read my article in FL about it if you want. That should give you all the context you need. Um, but uh, but yeah, we'll we'll wait and see. Uh, let's go to uh Pramod who says I'm not criticizing Vieira but I'm able to understand his role slash style he doesn't seem to have the silkiness to be a 10 and not someone who makes powerful runs not a jackotype type in robustness I'm trying to l-. I'm not criticizing Vieira but I'm going to label three criticisms I'm only joking Pramod um I think with Vieira, his best position is as that second striker, behind the striker. I think that's the best place to put him. I think he is direct. I think he tries to be direct. I think is his, some of his passes are sublime. The way in which he finds other players on the field are really good. There was a pass he did against Bournemouth out to the right flank where he kind of chested it down and just played it out to Saka on the right. And I remember sitting, it was right in front of me where I was sitting in the press box. I was just looking at it like, woof. <laughs> that is class. And, and I think that he's got that capability of playing in some fantastic – uh, balls into the box. It's just about consistency, and when you're not starting every game, I'm not surprised that that consistency isn't necessarily coming. Uh, Ray Ray says, "Why are we conceding goals so easily lately? Lack of pace in midfield, uh, the right or left back out of position. Do we change? Do we need to change the style in certain games?" Ray Ray, I think it is ultimately part and parcel of a team that wants to attack and wants to commit bodies forward. That is ultimately going to lead to more vulnerabilities at the back. The big issue I've got, and I think, again, was exposed last night, is the set-piece problem. It is becoming a problem. We are conceding more goals than we need to from set-pieces, and we should be better from set-pieces, and we need to be better at defending set-pieces. I think that when it comes to... Nicholas Jova and what he did last season. We've clearly seen that there is a ability, there is a way of making us more resolute and better defensively from set pieces. But maybe teams have just worked us out a little bit. Maybe they've done their digging on on what needs to be, you know, kind of looked at. But we need to be a bit better from set pieces. Um, I don't want to go back to Zinchenko. Obviously, we've lost Tierney or Yasu playing left back and then suddenly you're a little bit more vulnerable in the box. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if that's had something to do with it. I don't know if Jorginho being in for parte in some of the games we've considered from set pieces has something to do with it because of the lack of height there. I'm not sure, but uh it's something that needs to be addressed. That's that is for certain. Dirk says, "I disagree on the physicality. There's nothing wrong with bulking up. Uh by the way, I never said once that there was anything wrong <laughs> with bulking up. I've said that I think that it's a it's something that is prioritized too highly for a player like Vieira." Um Dirk continues by saying, we've seen it's done good things for Eddie. Ozil in the past, although that's not the cause of his performances, it can never be a bad thing. And as I said, I don't think it's a bad thing to bowl cup. And and he is going to do that. I think he's even said publicly he's going to try and, and put some muscle on. It's never been about me saying it's bad or it's not needed. It's me saying that I think that there are so many other things that need to be focused on before we start thinking about how much muscle the guy's got. That's the issue. And I think there is a danger of a stereotype or a stigma forming around Vieira that's not fair. That every time he plays, we're going to suddenly start looking out more so for him than any others when he gets pushed off the ball, where he goes down too easily, when in reality, a lot of players do it. And now we're going to start focusing on Vieira doing it more than others. And that's not fair. By the way, Ozil bulking up, I wouldn't necessarily say has helped him towards the end of his Arsenal career. Not great. And that was when the bulking up really happened. So I'm not sure that was the best example. But v- but Edin Ketia certainly has bulked up and he has obviously shown in recent um months to be a asset to the team going forwards as well uh shane thank you ever so much for helping support the channel becoming a brand new member as well uh really appreciate the kind support that you're showing uh and of course the uh the support that it brings to the channel as well um let's go to uh freddie says what position would you prioritize in the summer central midfield i think we need to add more there but i think we need to add another forward as well and a right back but I still think midfield's the area that I look at and go we can add a world-class player into midfield still going forwards I think that's what we need to do um let's go scrolling down a little bit more uh Bakary Lasagna says Tom do you think your podcasting would be improved if you bulked up a bit oh without a shadow of a doubt I might get more likes <laughs> I might get more likes in the video if I Oh, <laughs> bumped up a little bit more on the channel. Um, let's go to camera up says, when does Saka get a rest? I don't know. I don't know, mate. <laughs> he's so imperative and we don't really have anyone by Nelson that can play on the right. I guess when Smith Rowe um, gets back to full fitness and we can play him on the left, Nelson could come in on the right and maybe you could give Saka a bit more of a rest, but he's just so important at the end of the day. Like he's so, so key to what we do, um, that ultimately you can't drop him. You can start subbing him early on in games. And I think Clive actually on the Arsenal Vision podcast, and I know I rave about what Clive says, but for good reason, um, he's become a lot more savvy at learning when to drift a little bit in games. And what I mean by that is learn when to run and when to rest in game. So he's not 100% full-time. full tilt, full-time, And that's important. That's really key. Because if you're able to rest during a game, it maintains your fitness. It maintains your ability to um, to kind of extend the effectiveness of your games. But uh, yeah, ultimately, what I think is with Saka is if we can find a way... Oh, that unfocused. Uh, what I think is that we need to do is we need to find a way of, of subbing him earlier in games if we can. But I think he's become a lot better. Um, oh, we have a Man United... I tell you what, of all the times for a Manchester United fan to come into the chat box. The bravery, the bravery to do that after losing 7 nil. My hat, my hat is doffed. I doffed my hat to you, fella, for sticking with your team and supporting a side that gets absolutely destroyed by Liverpool. A Liverpool team that has been so poor this season. If anyone's got a 7-up, lift it. Lift your 7-ups. Lift it, because uh, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, Mark loves a 7 up. He does. He absolutely loves a 7 up. Um, let's go to uh, Khalil. Uh, Khalil, sorry, says, question. Why do you think the club seem to be still OK taking the Europa League as somewhat of a priority? We're in a close title race. Um, I think that Arteta talked quite um, openly about this. The Europa League can be an asset to you when you or any midweek competition. I think the Europa League gives you the opportunity to obviously give minutes to players to keep them fresh, keep them fit, keep them working. Yes, the ultimate argument, the other side of the coin is well, if you play the players, obviously um, you're going to you, there's a higher chance of fatigue, there's a higher chance of tiredness. But if you come off the back of a difficult result at the weekend, like you drop points, or um, You lose, you know, for any reason. Having a game in just three or four days' time to respond can be a really good kind of way to push you back into your your Premier League performances. So, and and let's be real, like, the teams we're coming up against in the Europa League, they are going to get tougher. But Sporting are a side that hopefully next week we get back to. And I think also that yesterday's game grounds you a little bit as well. I think it gives you, like, you know, all the elation, all of the um, euphoria... Around that last minute win against Bournemouth, sometimes that can lead you into a bit of a, a false sense of security, if you like. And so, I think what that game yesterday does is it gives you some perspective. It grounds you a bit more. And then I think we can go into that Fulham game without overconfidence. You know, say we just we won last minute against Bournemouth and then we smash Sporting something like that. I think maybe that can send you into games with the wrong mindset. So I think you can look at the. Uh, I think you can actually look at the uh, things more. Uh, accurately uh we and more effectively by playing those Europa League games in midweek. I'm I'm not even gonna block the Man United fan because it's quite funny. <laughs> it's quite funny. <laughs> Immediately after getting um I can tell you what I'm not gonna highlight this comment but I can tell you what for those listening on audio platforms and those listening on catch up that don't have the benefit of seeing the uh the the chat box as soon as as logic went out the window, as soon as banter got too much, he got abusive. <laughs> got, and that's just the funniest thing is that you find it happens online all the time. As, so, as soon as someone is just mentally thought, abuse, abuse in the chat box. Let's start, let's start insulting people because that's always the way to go. Yeah, always the way. To, the really smart people, the really smart people, drop abuse. That's what they do. <laughs> and thank you chat box by the way for just just throwing the banter back you mean you've been pretty respectful i mean completely respectful in all honesty uh just the seven ups raise them raise your seven ups in the chat box i might have one later today uh, and enjoy one for Mark's sake. So uh, thank you for your engagement, Mark. It's probably helped with the algorithm. You probably con- contributed to the 7-up I'm going to buy later on. Um, <laughs> Mark's rattled. Uh, let's go to Cass, who says, Tom, just worried about defending lately. Uh, where the team are conceding too many set-piece goals, will have to tighten up for all of the remaining games and the team will have to play in the Premier League and Europa League. Yeah, you know, defensively, as I've mentioned before, I think the, the key issue for me is... Um, is the set pieces that's something that we're going to need to really kind of um we're going to have to look into being a little bit more savvy and stronger and that ultimately is is what we need to improve on is just being better from set pieces if we can eradicate those goals then what we need to th- then we've we've sold a massive kind of leak in the defense if you can limit that to 20 percent you get it bound to one goal every 10 games rather than one goal every two games, all of a sudden you've limited significantly the number of goals that you're conceding across the season. We just need to get better at that. We just need to get better at that ultimately. And that's that's going to take a little bit of time, but hopefully we can do it quickly because we've already so- shown that we can do that last season. Uh, camera up says it's 7pm where I live right now. It's Man United o'clock. It's Man United o'clock over there. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm going to wrap things up there. Thank you so much. For, for tuning in really appreciate your time as always big shout out to mark seven up to you mate seven is evan as you say um i'm gonna look to i'll tell you what when i get onto the seventh green later on i'm gonna have a little think about mark and just think how sad he must have felt last week <laughs> I love that I've invested so much time in one man United fans. It's been completely worth it, completely worth it. Um, anyway, uh, do, as I said already in the start of the second part of today's show, if you want to get our latest non-profit merch, uh, is now available to all listeners around the globe. Get involved. Link in the description. Go and get your hands on it um, and help support some great causes, some local business as well um and uh yeah i look forward to if this is successful bringing you some more stuff involved this with uh with the show as well and of course the chicago gunas gunapalooza tickets will be going on sale at 11 a.m c uh chicago time uh and 5 p.m uk time so that's when you can get hold of the tickets they're going to go quick so make sure that you're in the queue. It might be faster than even trying to get tickets to the Emirates these days. So make sure that you get involved with those tickets. Go to the Chicago Gooners Twitter page for more information or the Chicago Gooners website to get more information about the live events and everything that's going on over the weekend of April 21st. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Drop a like. If you could press the like button seven times, would that still mean that you like it? one? on, off. Yes, it would because it's an odd number. So press that like button seven times and it will still like the video because that's on, off, on, off, on, off, on. So yeah, make sure that you click it seven times for our good friend Mark and our good friends over at Old Trafford. Seven up. Have a fantastic day, people. I'll see you soon. And as always, up the Arsenal.